Welcome to the All-Star Networking Podcast. It's the show where you hear from a new expert each week on how to build an all-star network, increase business sales, grow careers, find a job, or enrich your life. Let's get it started. From the Midtown Global Market in Minneapolis, here's your host, Kathy Paper. Welcome, everyone. I'm Kathy Paper here at the Midtown Global Market. Uh, joining me today, as always, is the trustee, Matt Tell, the executive director of the Friends of the Midtown Global Market. Matt is doing the sound check, still has the headphones with the lovely pink duct tape on them. Julie, I don't know if you noticed that. Uh, Flashy, I love it. Yep, very nice. Matt is awesome. We were just talking, actually, about the state fair, state fair season. Wow. Which is hard to believe that it we're... Is. Already in that zone, but anyway, I want to introduce today's guest, Julie Keys, joining me from Keys Strategy, author of the book Poised for Exit, which I'm so excited, and podcast hostess. Julie, let everyone know a little bit about you, and then Thanks. we'll get started talking about networking. Fun to be on the show. Thanks for inviting me, Kathy. So, um, for the listeners out there, I just like to say thank you to Kathy Paper for the help that she gave me in getting my book launched called Poised for Exit. It was super helpful. Super amazing ideas and strategy. You're clearly an expert at that. So I just want to thank you thank for that you. help. It worked that. worked well for me. You did all the so, work yeah, and well, I, launched it even during the pandemic. So yeah, yeah, amazing. It, it, that was tough. But, you know, we had a strategy. So it helped me to pivot. If you don't have a strategy, you can't pivot. Because there's nothing to pivot from, right? <laughs> so I'm uh, anyway, I'm an exit planner. Um, I don't help people exit the planet, which some people think that's what that means. <laughs> But I, what I actually do is I help business owners transition from their business, whether it's internal or external. And that is a process. And it usually takes two to three years. Um, there's a lot that goes on with that kind of work. And we'll probably talk about that as we go along here today. But for the most part, you could call me um, a trusted advisor. When it comes to exit planning, you cannot um, rely on just one advisor to help you with transitioning your business. It really does take a collaborative team. So part of my work in helping the owner to prepare and helping the business to be prepared for transition is also to make sure that we have a good collaborative team. And if we have any gaps on the team, you know, there's the financial advisor, the accounting firm, the attorneys, the insurance people, the lenders, all of those people are part of the team. And I help try to coordinate that so the owner can keep their foot on the gas and keep the business going. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. And, and Julie, how long have you been in that exit planning world or how did you get into that world? Yeah, good question. Well, I started consulting as a business coach in 2011 or 12, somewhere between 11 and 12, and incorporated the business, started doing that work, started acquiring clients who needed help with transition planning and realized I didn't know enough. Like, I really need to know more about this because it's a thing. And I knew baby boomers were getting older and that there would be a lot of them coming along that would need help. And so I learned about the Exit Planning Institute from a colleague of mine and became certified as an exit planner in 2015. And now, aside from my clients, aside from the podcast, aside from the book, I'm on the faculty for the Exit Planning Institute and the Hoopus Performance Network. 
I do a lot of speaking, and I got some online courses that I produced, and so I got a lot of things going on. But it's pretty much all like one big circle of love around exit planning. It's <laughs> awesome. You are you are busy, and again, I'm so lucky to have you. Matt and I were talking with you before the show. We've already gotten several good ideas, and we look forward to being a guest on your podcast. Absolutely. Again, I said I was a little nervous because you're more of a pro at podcasting than I am. Oh, heck. Having done these, I'm an amateur. <laughs> No, you're not. We're you're just, just having humble. a conversation. You're just humble. It's all we good. Are. As all I said, good. it feels like the candlelight dinner. Um, <laughs> I should get a candle. We should get a candle. We're gonna somebody we in the should. market. Somebody in the market sells candles. I know they do. I'm gonna find a candle for the next show. That's a great I won't idea. Light the candle because we're gonna have lunch afterwards. But why well, I wanted to just ask about how you got into your business, and I know you've been very successful and have a wonderful network around you. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you begin? networking and mm-hmm. or why is networking so important to your business or your client's business? There's this old adage that I throw out there every now and then, especially when I'm talking to advisors who hate to network. And it goes, your network is your net worth. And I truly believe that. And I'm so glad that you are doing this work in the networking world because so many people don't know how to properly network, myself included, when I first started. I just thought, well, you just got to go out and meet people, you know? And that's what you call the shotgun approach, Mm -hmm. right? (laughs) And so it took me a while to learn the laser approach. And so as far as like building the network, it took me a while. No one really was around that I knew of anyway that could help me to figure out what's that profile? Who do I really want to meet? And why do I want to meet them? And so it took a while to build the, the network. But once I got that narrowed down, wanted to make sure that the time I spent was actually productive time, not just for me, but for the person that I'm with, right? Yep. Have it be purposeful, intentional, that kind of thing. But those lessons came a lot later. So hopefully in this conversation and in the work that you do, you're shortening a lot of learning curves. Shorten the learning curve. That's the goal. Exactly. I like that you say properly network. Somehow that word makes me think of like that there's an etiquette to networking, you know, to be a proper networker. Mm -hmm. Um, or to, as you said, um, be productive or purposeful. Mm -hmm. So you said your network is your net worth. I think also just knowing you, you define it also as your network is your all your interests mm-hmm. so not just network some network sometimes people just think money yes but you are involved in so many different things that mm-hmm. maybe just clarify for people when you got laser focused did you have several areas besides business or was it all business yeah it's a good real that's a really good question and I would have to say that my foot forward was business related but the fruit of that when I got more focused was that I built a network of not just business colleagues, but friends. Because I started really trying to think about who do I really like to hang out with? Like, why would I want to work with a professional that I wouldn't want to go and have a beer with, you know? Yes. And so the more I I focused on a values match, and not not necessarily philosophy, but a little bit of philosophy, right? And then making sure that they were a right fit for me that way, What that constituted for me was that, okay, so I have someone in my network that, because it's really important for me in my work, I have to collaborate. I have no choice, right? I mean, not everybody has to really has to collaborate. It's it's wise to do. You know, we live in a collaborative economy, so it's important to do that. But but I really have to. And so I want to make sure that we're right fit for each other, that we also have the same kind of target market. You know, if, if I'm talking to an investment banker and they're 
target market is middle market or upper upper market, upper middle market. That's not my market. My market is lower middle market. They wouldn't really want to talk to me because that's not who they're after and vice versa, right? Yes. So we want to make sure that our client is similar. Um, our values are similar. I kind of like to gauge whether they believe in you know the give back philosophy, right? Okay, now that's an interesting one of, um, you know, when you said values match, I wrote that down. I understood that I, I do I want to have a beer with the person? Mm-hmm. Because I would like to have a beer with both of you, Matt and Julie. You know, and that's just sort of my first hit. But how mm-hmm. do you know if your values line up when you've just met somebody? I don't. I don't think that you can ever figure that out really in the first meeting. Maybe you can if you sit and talk long enough, but you have to ask the right questions. So to get to get out of that outer ring of like, what do you like to do? What's your background like? What are your areas of expertise? Where'd you go to school? All that kind of stuff, right? Which is important to know. We want to know that they know what they're doing. That's a very important thing for me to know that yes. they have the expertise. But then I want to know, I want to know like, okay, well, what kind of people do you like to work with? What kind of advisors do you collaborate with? What really bothers you about, you know, like the last deal that you had to work on? You know, a lot of times communication comes up. And if there's one thing I know about collaboration is communication is paramount. If we're not talking to each other, if we're not informing each other of what's going on on our end of the deal, because I'm not going to prepare them financially for their next act, these owners. It's not my job to make sure that I can maintain their lifestyle financially. I want to make sure that it happens but they need to have a really good relationship with their financial advisor. Financial advisor needs to know what we're talking about on my end as far as, okay, how much longer does the owner really want to work? And what are they planning to do with with the business? Do they want to sell it internally, sell it externally? Are they planning to gift some of the shares of the stock of their company to their children? Are they planning to carry a note because they're going to sell it internally and those people can only come up with so much money for a down payment and the rest they're going to borrow, but they still have this gap that they have to fill. So is the seller going to carry? Those are the kinds of things that the, the financial advisor and I need to communicate about. And so a lot of times the complaint is, I don't hear from these people enough. I have no idea what's going on. In your introduction, I wrote down you help the owner prepare and collaborative teams. Mm-hmm. And that word collaborative is so important in what you just said about communication. Huge. Um, that's where all the rubs come, right? Yeah. That's where in your network, I always say people in my network know we may disagree, but we're going to figure out how to work through it. Sure. Right? Absolutely. Um, it's crowded today. This is good. Lots, <laughs> yeah. go, lots going on at the market today. It's awesome. Come yeah. on down. Very cool. We got lines at Manny's Tortas. Anyway, what I was going to say was I like the question about what bothers you about your last deal. So for anyone that you know, when you said, how do I find out somebody's values, to ask somebody what went wrong yeah, just is such a good way of really listening to then know where you can intervene and differentiate yourself. Right. Or bring someone else into the mix that maybe would be a better fit. Yeah. 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 Great. Great. So when you started out building this network and you said you weren't maybe necessarily super purposeful at the beginning... How do you find now as your network is humming along yeah. to sort of prioritize networking or maintaining relationships as you go along? Yeah, that's really hard, isn't it? I'm sure this happens to you too because as you build a network, more and more people will reach out to you and want to meet with you and there's only so many hours in a day. Yes. And 
And so I guess I have to just go back to the purposefulness of the actual meeting. Is this meeting really important? Am I going to be able to add value? And is this person going to be able to add value just by being in each other's network? And sometimes the answer is yes, and sometimes it's not. Like, I have a lot of attorneys and a lot of accountants and a lot of financial advisors in my network. And not that I don't like meeting people like that. I do. But there's only so much business that I can refer. And so I feel like part of my obligation in adding people to my network is to try to refer whenever I can. Right. And right. expect it back. Yep. You know? So so I'll look at their LinkedIn profile, I'll look at their website, I'll try to figure out if, you know, we have kind of an alignment with those different areas that I highlighted before. And then maybe just ask like if they're reaching out to me instead of me to them. Usually it's them to me now. Yeah. Didn't start out that way, but and I'll just say, <laughs> Well what, what what what's the purpose of our meeting? Like what do you want to accomplish? Tell me what you're looking for. Tell me how I can help. And if the answer is super general, like, oh, I just wanted to get to meet you because I've heard so many good things. Okay, well, I need more than that. Yeah, and I do like I'm not trying to be harsh. I'm just being honest, you know. I think it's a great point. And and you said it flipped for you that people were wanting to meet with you versus at the start you were wanting to meet with them. Yeah. And what you said of being prepared to show up. Who are you looking for? What are you doing? You've done homework. You said you did homework. LinkedIn. Yes. Uh, we just had Ann Pryor on as a guest, who I'm sure you know. She's so awesome. Yeah, she's totally awesome. She got some great shoes at the Moroccan market. <laughs> did she get yep. her? And got invited to his house too, right, Matt? Yeah. Of course she, she did. Totally bonded. Um, in Mor- in Mor- good clarification. Yes, in Morocco. To be clear, everybody's invited, um, probably, but no, that doing that preparation mm-hmm. and just knowing and being clear. Um, I think it's such a good way. And you said you're not being harsh, you're just being efficient and saying you're a busy professional. I'm thrilled we got your time today to be on the show and share what you know. Do you have a preferred way? Like, are you on the phone or are you a coffee person or are you part mm-hmm. of, you said you're part of the Exit Planning Institute. Mm-hmm. Like what other organizations you yeah. mean? Or quite a few. Although I don't attend all of the events, but I'm a member of ACG, Association for Corporate Growth. I'm a member of the Women in Insurance and Financial Services, Hoopus Performance Network. Of course, the Exit Planning Institute chapter here in the Twin Cities, I launched that in 2016. Great. So I still have a lot of relationships there. And those, for the most part, those are the groups that I frequent. And then I get invited to speak just like you do to yeah. lots of other different groups. Sometimes it's a fit and sometimes it's not. You know, I, I want to make sure when they ask, like when they ask you to speak, is this, is my message really going to be helpful to you? You know, what's the audience made up of? And people don't always understand what I do, and that's why I want to make sure that it's going to be worth their time, not just mine, but theirs, right? No, it's, yeah. a, it's a great point, and I mm-hmm. think that's the part to think about, because sometimes when you're looking to build your network, you know, it's all about you, of yeah. how do I build, I'm collecting, I'm collecting yeah. people in my network, that's why I like to properly network, because yes. we're building a relationship. Yeah. I had a lawyer years ago when I was starting my business tell me, whenever you network paper, network like you're in it for the long term. Yes. And I was like, well, of course I'm in it for the long term. I'm a very monogamous person. Like, that's my style. Yes. And he really emphasized to me there are a lot of people that are transactional and you want to be collating people around you that you're all in it so that we have successful careers, not just one time. Excellent advice. That is exactly why we network. I mean, that's the way it should be anyway, right? Yes. We're not in it to do a deal. It reminds me of different groups I've been in over the years when I was learning how to network. 
how people would come and go and their reason for leaving was because they never got any business from it. It's like, well, what did you give? And how long did you hang in there? And did you really build any relationships? Right? So we're talking about the difference between transaction-minded people and relationship people. Yeah. I'm totally all about the relationship. In fact, when I think about the mistakes I've made in networking, one of the reasons why I had that long learning curve about making it purposeful is because I have a hard time saying no, because my foot forward is to try to be a helper, and I've had to learn to, to like reel myself in, because there's only one of you, there's only so many hours in a day, and you gotta make some money too. Right. Right. So having a healthy balance of that has taken me a long time to figure out. So for the listeners out there who are going, oh, wow, that sounds like me. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. No, it's a great. I make mistakes in networking all the time. I don't believe it. No, I do. <laughs> I do. You're the and expert. Actually, I think part of being the expert is knowing every once in a while you make some mistakes. True. True. And what you just said of you reflected back and learned from it. When you're depleted as a networker, you're not as good a relationship builder. Mm-hmm. And you said, we all have to do this if we want to make some money. Yeah. So finding that balance, that's why I ask. You could be asked to speak 15 places, and mm-hmm. if it's not the right room, yeah, you get to say no. Yeah. Well, and it isn't going to benefit the audience any more than it benefits you. It's got to be a two-way street. If there isn't value on both sides or a win-win or whatever you want to call it, then why do it? Well, One-sided um, situations are just never really beneficial. I'm going to give my networking, I'll call it my networking confession or networking mistake because I did it the other day and it stung a little bit. Um, my inbox is probably not the tidiest place. <laughs> Me <right>? either. <laughs> I have the best intentions, but usually like clients come first and then things that you're working on. And I was going through and cleaning it out. And I found an email where somebody had asked after I had sent a newsletter to meet with me and I had let it sit there. Oops. Yep. And I reached back out and said, hey, just wanted to reconnect. Do you want to try to meet? And they called me on it and said, that was so long ago. Mm. I don't want to do it. And I felt that sting of like my networking mistake was I let it sit too long. Part of me rationalized it as one email doesn't mean you're going to get a meeting. True. Right? Because we all have emails. Yes. So just made me think about to do what you say you're going to do. And we're we're not perfect. but No, we're not. We got to cut ourselves a little slack. I've done that myself before just because I plain forgot. But whether you forgot or you just intentionally waited because you got busy, either way. Right. He didn't get back to him, and right. And like it, I said, it stung. But I know now. I know life. is yeah. But clean yeah. out the the system. So for I anyone, know. Um, what about volunteering? Yeah. You know, you're, you started the Exit Planning Institute. You know, do you have any thoughts on volunteering? As we're here with Matt, who runs the Friends of the Global Market, mm-hmm. um, thirty entrepreneurs in here. Do you do you volunteer your time intentionally, or just does it? happenstance? Well, I'm still volunteering a lot with EPI. Yeah. So even though I'm not running the chapter anymore, I'm a faculty member, so I don't get paid to do that. Yep. And they refer a lot of advisors to me about, you know, how do I get started? And so professionally, I do quite a bit of, it's not like like a scheduled volunteer thing, but I'm on call. I guess you could put it that way. Like, yeah, a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. But it's good. Yeah. And then Personally, I don't, you know, I've gotten older and and I don't do as much volunteering as I used to, but I still do. I still volunteer for my church and and, um, I'll do some things with my kids or organizations that I care about, like Hope for Youth. I volunteer for them. It's a homeless 
homeless shelter for chil- children. And so, if people wanted to find out more about that, because I know you do volunteer, mm-hmm. is would they can find it on your website? Is there a link to it, or from? You know, I should put a link on my website for that. Yeah, I haven't. I have it on my LinkedIn profile, but not on my website. Maybe in your bio, put what you do. Is I'm always curious. The more people, you know, you're a community leader and a big yeah. player is. That's let a, people know you volunteer yeah. because again you don't you don't volunteer to be recognized but you volunteer because you believe in something. Yeah. So you can put it in your bio and then you know. Great advice. Know. I will do that. Yeah. What else should we tell people about networking? I think um, you know to kind of go back on the uh, one of your original questions about how did you build the network and what did you learn and when I talked about building a profile. I think that that's really important to really think about who it is that you want to associate with because if you are a professional advisor and you do see yourself having to collaborate on a regular basis, then you almost need to think about building a team of advisors from different disciplines. And when you're talking building a team, then you really do want to kind of narrow it down with regard to criteria. You know, what do you absolutely need to have in someone you're going to collaborate with? and like your non-negotiables in other words and then and what are the nice to haves right kind of like when we talk about acquiring new clients we definitely want to work with people that are after the same kind of clientele and I think one of the best ways to determine whether an advisor is a good fit for you when you're gonna have to collaborate is to work on a case study together I think case studies are so helpful because they they help you especially when it's someone new that you haven't worked with before they really help to identify the strengths of the person that you're collaborating with. Like, what do they know? What are their skills? What's their expertise? Does their skill set match what I'm looking for for my clients? So let me make sure I understand this. So if you were to work on a case study with someone, you would be drafting what you want to have happen or? In a case study? Well, what I've done in the past is I've just used a real life client. Okay. I don't, you know, disclose the company name or their name or anything like that. Um, anything that would be identifying information, I would not include. But I would include um, the issues that the client, the company is having in whatever fashion it lies and whatever way I think that the person that I'm talking to or collaborating with might be able to help solve the problem, okay? And say, for instance, it's a legal problem and I'm collaborating with an attorney and we're talking about some legal issues. This is a real thing. Like, yep. I've really done this. And... Um, and so the attorney is a business attorney, specializes in mergers and acquisitions. This particular client had an issue with a partner that they couldn't get rid of, had hired numerous attorneys in the past, um, had this perpetual agreement, which should have never been agreed to or signed, right. and it was ironclad. And it was, it was longstanding, and this person had been out of the business for a long time, so it clearly was not fair. And so my advice to her was, we need to talk to somebody about you know, what's, what's the angle here? What could we do to get out of this? Took two years, but this attorney got her out of it. And it's all started with a case study. So I brought her case study to a group of mine, of professionals that, you know, I meet with. And so it was a financial advisor, an attorney, an accounting firm, those three people. And she had issues in all three areas of the business. A very good, successful business, you know, cash flowing, long-standing, great client list, diversified, great employees. Um, you know, from the outset, you know, you look at it and you go, wow, that's a great business. But she had things that she needed to get fixed. Yeah. And so I got advice from those people, brought the advice back to the owner of the business and said, what do you think? Would you like to have an introduction? And she answered, yes. 
because she loved the advice that was brought back to her. She ended up retaining the lawyer. She didn't retain the other two. But, I mean, you know, you don't win all of them, right? But that's just like, I think it's a good example of of what I'm talking about when I'm, you know, kind of going that extra mile with actually establishing the relationship myself and then bringing someone else in um, to establish a relationship as well. Yeah. Other than just just an email introduction. That's a great, that's a great way to get to know people and to really see what they're, what they're made of or how they work together. Right. And I always say, are our standards the same? Yes. Circling back to the very beginning where do your values match? You can't ask someone what does good look like to you? Because I have my image of what good looks like. Right. But by doing that case study, you can find that out. So. You totally can. Plus, you will, you'll be able to hear like the kinds of questions that they will ask you. Because no one ever has all the answers. And you don't want to work with someone who thinks they do. Right. Because there's no room for you then. <laughs> <laughs> so... I just, I hesitated for a minute because I'm like, I like to know the answers. (laughs) Oh, we all do. Am I that person? (laughs) No. Am I that person? But you know what I mean. I do. Yeah. I do. Well, thank you. Okay, so one more quick check on your notes. Is there anything we missed? One more thing. I think that sometimes when we're networking and we're meeting new people and we want to work with someone else and refer back and forth, we really need to understand how they get paid. And we don't always ask that question. So that would be one more question to add when you're, you know, building a network, you really need to understand because if you understand how they get paid, then you can understand better how to refer well. What's a good referral? Ask that question. What's a really good referral for you? How do you want me to introduce you? What do you want me to say about you? That's helpful too. Sometimes I ramble on in an introduction. I mean, this literally just happened to me. Rambled on and then I got an email back from the person I introduced. Um, I would have preferred if you would have said this. Why did I not ask? Right. Yeah. Oh, well. See? and Another lesson learned. I read somewhere, maybe it was on the side of a Lululemon bag, like, do something you're afraid of, make mistakes every day, it's all good. Amen. So we keep going. So at the beginning, you said entrepreneurs support other entrepreneurs. So I want to thank you for supporting all the entrepreneurs in the building at the Midtown Global Market. Absolutely. Not that you've purchased from every one of them, but I know you've been down here in the past and are here today with us. So thank you for that. And thanks we'll for go me. find somewhere good to have lunch. But thanks for being Sounds here. Sounds great. Thanks, Kathy. Thanks for having me. This is a great place. Thank you for listening to the All-Star Networking Podcast with Kathy Paper. To learn more about strategic networking and making impactful connections, visit rockpaperstar.com. Please join us in supporting the Midtown Global Market as a vital community resource that supports small business, cultural diversity, and free or low-cost programming. Reach us at friendsofglobalmarket.org.